water, earth, fire, air. Long ago, the four nations lived together in harmony. Then, everything changed when the Fire Nation attacked. Only the Avatar, master of all four elements, could stop them. But when the world needed him most, he vanished. A hundred years passed and my brother and I discovered the new Avatar, an airbender named Aang. And although his airbending skills are great, he has a lot to learn before he's ready to save anyone. But I believe Aang can save the world. everyone, and welcome back to What's Appa, a rewatch podcast of the greatest show ever, Avatar The Last Airbender. I'm Joyce. I'm Justin. And I'm Anand. And this week, we want to give a special shout out to our friend Nicole, who read the intro. This is episode 18 of our podcast, where we'll be discussing the Siege of the North part and part two, because apparently, fun fact, the first part of the Siege of the North originally did not come with a add-on at the end, but the second part was <laughs> part two, so... There you go. Nice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So previously on Avatar, the gang reaches the Northern Water Tribe and has begun training. Zuko, we find out, is alive after the attempted assassination and is continuing to search for Aang. Uh, Sokka has a crush on a girl from the Northern Water Tribe who uh, happens to be Yue, the princess, and Zhao's Fire Nation Navy is quickly approaching. Yeah, so uh, things are about to get spicy. So the first scene is Katara fighting and practicing against all these random boys, um, and she's fighting against this random Paku's student and destroys him completely. Yeah, so this random guy actually has a name. His name is People Sengok. And see, Sengok can translate into third individual, or what the production <laughs> biz calls extra number three. Um, <laughs> the word Sengok can also be a variation of the Japanese word Sengo for coral, which would make sense in conjunction with Paku's comment about being ready to fight a sea sponge. Um, some fun facts from the wiki. Yeah, yeah. Another fun fact is that this is actually supposedly a reference to SpongeBob SquarePants, another hit Nickelodeon TV show, which is why they wanted to get that sea sponge reference in there. Oh, wow. That's so deep. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Nickelodeon promoting their slime. It's just like yeah. all these little Easter eggs everywhere. Um, but yeah, then Paku asks a bunch of the beat up dudes if anybody would like a rematch with Katara and they all shake their heads no because they're scared. Yeah, Paku tells her, you have proved with fierce determination, passion, and hard work, you can accomplish anything. Which I think is a pretty nice close to her entire character arc this season. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then he continues that thought and says, raw talent alone is not enough. And then he yells at Pupil Aang to step into the sparring circle because he was just goofing around playing with Momo. But then when Paku asks Aang if he's mastered waterbending because Aang is just chillaxing so hard he's like yeah sure I have and then he turns himself into a snowman by bending the snow around him yeah I think we see a lot of sides of Aang in these last two episodes but this just made me laugh because this is very Aang and it shows his playful qualities that are just innate to his character um before he has to lose his innocence etc 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 Aw, <laughs> yeah, I, hopefully, I think he does do, he does maintain it throughout, but yeah, he definitely is like the, the most pure um, at this point in the show. Um, 
Yeah, so then the next scene is Yue and Sokka, and they're just, you know, they're just hanging out, two friends, and they're kind of bantering, and then Yue says, Sokka, this is wrong. Then um, he's like, he gets upset, and then he's like, I know what you need. You need to meet my good friend, Appa. And I just objected to this comment because Sokka is using Appa to get this girl. Oh, yeah. where the Meanwhile, the whole rest <laughs> of the show, he's just yelling at Appa to fly faster, to why is he flying so low to the water? Like, he's just, he cannot, like, he cannot do Appa dirty and just, you know, exploit him like this. But it works because the next scene is Yue and Sokka meeting Appa and Yue is like, so how does this work? And Sokka says, you hang on tight. Yip. Yip. (laughs) It's it's so very smooth. He says it with a smirk and then they fly. And I just thought a whole new world. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. (laughs) I just want to say that Sokka is so smart. Like this is probably the best first date idea I've ever heard of. Yeah. So. Props to him. Uh, I can't believe Appa obliges. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyways, and then the UA says, wow, I can't believe you do this every day. And I thought, a dazzling place I never knew. <laughs> <laughs> Just it lines up really well. And then Saka says, yeah, we pretty much live up here. And then that's, let me share this whole new world with you. Wow. <laughs> Beautiful. More Disney movie inspiration. (laughs) Yeah, I thought at this moment, like, wow, the grass really is greener on the other side. Both of these individuals kind of want what the other one wants. And it's just the human condition. Yeah. And the plot of Aladdin. (laughs) 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 Um, Yeah, but then the fun is spoiled and some black snow starts raining down. Yeah, after seeing this scene, like, I don't know, four or five times now, this time I kind of thought that the black snow is a mixture of fire and water. So it's kind of the, kind of like the elements mixing, which is really cool. And another thought I recently had was like, it's kind of like soot falling from the sky. Well, it is soot falling from the sky. <laughs> that kind of reminds me of... I don't know. I think I watched a movie recently that was a, like a World War II action movie. And as you approach the different concentration camps, you start seeing the soot fall from the sky. Um, oh, and man, it's pretty so stark <laughs> because like right after this scene, it cuts to the Fire Nation, which is all red and black colors. And they're going to genocide a whole bunch of people. So I thought that was a fitting comparison here. Also, Game of Thrones spoiler, but totally reminds me of the end king's landing when there is like soot falling and you know there is destruction to come to say the least yeah and then Sokka says it's the fire nation they've closed in on the north pole and from the looks of this stuff i'd say there's a lot of them and oh is he right yeah and then it cuts to a scene of panning over the fire nation ships and a small detail i want to call out is at the helm of the ship you know how there's usually like a statue or something. Sometimes it's a mermaid that like looks out in, over the sea. Uh, here it's a dragon that I thought was really cool. Yeah. Good eye. Um, yeah. And Zhao is standing there and he says, this will truly be one for the history books, General Iroh. Just think centuries from now, people will study the great Admiral Zhao who destroyed the last of the water tribe civilization. 
blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I just want to say Sal looks super dope here. He has his cape <laughs> on. Did you guys notice his cape? It's really cool. Wow, I did not think that was where your <laughs> comment was going. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think this cape is really cool. Um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, he's just super obsessed. He talks a lot about history and his place in history and how history will see him. And whenever you get people like that, you know, that's a bad sign <laughs> because you do not write your own history. Um, but yeah, I, I think it just shows how like Zhao is a symbol for like human arrogance and how human arrogance can get in trouble with nature. Yeah. And then Uncle Iroh in his infinite wisdom says, be careful what you wish for, Admiral. History is often not kind to its subjects. Which is very telling because, core spoiler, I guess, um, when Tenzin and his siblings go try to find his daughter, they actually stumble upon Zhao in the Forest of Forgotten Souls. Which, and he's running around like a raving lunatic screaming about how people will remember the great General <laughs> Zhao, but like yeah. everyone's forgotten about him. And he sees Tenzin and he believes Tenzin is the avatar, yeah. which is pretty sad. Almost feel bad for him. Almost. Yeah. But then it cuts to the water tribe. And the first scene is a bunch of water nation soldiers hitting the drums signaling the start of the invasion and i thought it was really cool that they were using drums here uh, because a lot of very early militaries use drums as signals and it's a very ominous sound it's like a pacing of the drums increasing as as the fire nation draws closer yeah, yeah, yeah. So it is this super intense moment and everyone's running more like in towards the inner city. And then Yue stops suddenly and Sokka's like, what's wrong? We have to go. And Yue's like, no, Sokka, wait, we can't see each other anymore. Not at all. <laughs> and I'm like, girl, there is a time and a place. <laughs> She's so dramatic. And then Sokka says, what? We're just friends. And I thought, what a modern couple, like no labels, you know, <laughs> we don't need any labels here. Um, and then Yue says, I wish we could be just friends, but I like you too much. And it's too confusing to be around you. Uh, she later goes on to say, I do love my people. And Sokka retorts, you're not marrying them. And she says, you don't understand. I have duties to my father and to my tribe. And I think this is like a reoccurring theme, but it really reaches an apex with Princess Yue, this theme of duty and honor and what that means, especially in a lot of these very traditional societies and how it can manifest into the driving motivations of a lot of these characters. It's just really cool. But which is honestly not something we see a lot in like modern day society, this idea of duty. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and yeah, I feel like she probably is the character who embodies it the most out of in the whole show. Yeah, and then the next scene is this water tribe meeting where Chief Arnuk has called upon his uh, brothers and sisters and, you know, to come together and get ready for battle. So he says, It is with great sadness I call my family here before me, knowing well that some of these faces are about to vanish from our tribe. And then there, while he says this, there's like just a quick shot of Yue, then Han, 
then Paku. No, Yue, then Paku, then Han. And they all vanish in some sort of way uh, after this whole siege is over because Yue dies. Sad. Paku leaves to the South Pole and Han, who knows what happens to Han. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think there's some foreshadowing there. Shortly after, Chief Arnuk calls for volunteers for a special mission. And Sokka instantly stands up and says, I volunteer. Um, And as he comes up to the chief to receive his mark, it cuts to Princess Yue as she like lifts her head and a tear comes out of the corner of her eye. And then Sokka solemnly lowers his head, turns away. And as this whole scene is unfolding, the song Summer, Spring, Winter and Fall plays very slowly in a really sad tone uh, on the kalimba. And I, mm-hmm. my first thought here is, is that their leitmotif, this song of love? Probably. Didn't it play um, last episode, too? When mm-hmm. they were together? Yeah. Uh, that's a good catch. I feel like I've missed it every single time. I don't know if it's like really <laughs> subtle or something, but yeah, yeah, that's cool. Um, and then when Sokka volunteers, I also notice that Katara like stands up and like doesn't want him to go. And I don't know. I, I just like those moments where Katara and Sokka are like, you know, uh, def- in defensive of each other. And, and, you know, she really cares and doesn't want him to leave because he might not come back. The next scene starts and it cuts to a panning shot over the northern water nation. And you, you can see the wall in the distance. And it's just Chief Arnuk here and Avatar Aang. And Arnuk says, such a quiet dread, um, and goes on to talk about, you know, the peace or the silence before the storm. And I thought he's really a non-character in these two episodes. He contributes absolutely nothing of substance except exposition. Um, Well, yeah, I I, I pretty much agree with you. But I think the last scene, it does show him that he's like a pretty good leader in that he does like bring everyone together, call them all a family and then like rally them to the battle and like gives this like call to action type thing that is like decently effective. So he seems like a pretty, pretty decent leader. Mm -hmm. Shortly after Aang says, I wasn't there when the Fire Nation killed my people this time. I'm going to make a difference this time. And I thought, wow, this quote kind of sums up Aang's growth over the last couple episodes we remember his apprehension in the storm episode and here he has this conviction to do the right thing. And it's kind of generally his entire arc just kind of wrapping up right here, at least in terms of growth. Yeah. And then another thing I noticed about this scene is that the music in the camera pans towards the sun at the very end of like this whole dialogue and it felt really weird. It felt like it was the end of the episode or something. Um, I was yeah. like, wait, is it over? <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. It was kind of strange. It basically, it pans up to the sun just as it does at the end of the intro. And the music is also reminiscent of the intro. So I don't oh. know. Okay. Like, that makes maybe, sense. Like maybe they just wanted to use that and like make it seem like epic, but also I guess this is like Aang's time to shine kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. That's neat. Yeah. Right after Katara says, but I believe he's ready. Right. That's what Mm -hmm. she says. Yeah. yeah. 
But yeah, then we see uh, more of the warriors just waiting, including Sokka and Katara, who look really fierce and determined. Um, and then a fireball comes flying directly at them. Yeah, and then it cuts to the fireball, breaking the bridge where Sokka and Yue first met. And I thought my first thought was, wow, maybe this is like kind of metaphorically their relationship breaking and how it can't be remended because <laughs> later <laughs> yeah. she dies. But then maybe I'm thinking too much into it because they're just like reusing the art they already have so they yeah. can concentrate <laughs> on other stuff. <laughs> no, I like funny. your read on it. The next scene begins with the siege of the Fire Nation on the Northern Water Tribe. And it cuts to a catapult as it's about to launch an attack on the wall. And the side of the catapult is whirring really quickly. And it's very obvious that these ironclad kind of ships are very technologically advanced, especially compared to the Northern Water Tribe, which is all kind of ice, but very obviously created out of bending. And I thought, wow, this is a very powerful display of technology and the elements working together and the prowess of the Fire Nation. Mm. Yeah. And Aang has to try to take them on. So he goes onto the ship and he just takes out one of the catapults. And maybe this is also where a moment where I'm reading too much into things. But I thought, OK, so he's learned he's because the way he does it is he gets the Fire Nation catapult people to destroy their own catapults. So, again, he's exploiting the rage of the Fire Nation to kind of res uh, bring about their own destruction. But... They only beat up the catapults, but Aang delivers like the final blow. So I thought, oh, this is growth. Because before mm. when he was facing off with Zhao and the deserter, he was com evading completely. But now he's taking on some of that hand to hand combat. Yeah, the first catapult Aang initially lands on before he kind of tricks all the Fire Nation soldiers. He just lightly taps it with the tip of his staff and just completely demolishes the whole thing. <laughs> And I'm thinking like, wow, all this technology that the Fire Nation puts together can beat Benders, but just throwing an avatar into the mix and yeah. Aang is just beating everyone up left and right. Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, too OP. Except for the hammer dude. So The hammer dude. Yeah, it's just some <laughs> wacky looking dude starts <laughs> fighting Aang with his hammers. Um, and, you know, this wacky looking dude is you know, he can take on the Avatar, no biggie. <laughs> but luckily, the Avatar has his faithful animal companion to come to the rescue always. So Appa comes and <laughs> gets Aang out of it. Also, a fun fact is that these trebuchet operators, they have hammers because they use the hammers to launch the machines. But they also make uh. for great weapons. So that's why they have hammers. Um, and then Aang flies up and flies away and sees the hundreds of ships ahead and there's just no hope now. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> yeah, and as this unfolds, there's this epic choral music that plays. And wow, this really builds up this theme of this epic choral music, not only because we hear it later, but because we now and into the future hear it whenever it's referencing Ozai. Oh, yeah. That's a good catch. Um, so back at the tribe, Chief Arnuk is saying, men, you'll be infiltrating the Fire Nation Navy and says that they'll all need a uniform for the special mission. 
Yeah, and when Arnook is giving his little strategic talk, the music plays that plays when Sokka is kind of strategizing. So I thought maybe this connection here is that Sokka kind of looks up to Arnook as this role model almost. Yeah. That's a that is a good point. I feel like they have some unexplored uh love mm-hmm. there. <laughs> Yeah, which is why I almost wish he was more of a character so we could see some relationship here. But Yeah, like a father-son type type relationship because Bato sucks, so he <laughs> clearly can't feel, yeah, feel the void. Yeah, we should have just had a, a, a whole episode on Arnuk instead of stupid Bato. Arnuk of the Northern Water Tribe. <laughs> um, yeah, and then this annoying guy, Han, walks out modeling this very <laughs> retro-looking Fire Nation uniform, and Sokka laughs and says, Fire Navy uniforms don't look like that. And Han says, of course they do. These are real Fire Navy uniforms captured from actual Fire Navy soldiers. <laughs> wow, that was really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, well, not thank you, because no, his voice is so annoying. It's so nasally, and I just thought, how can you guys hate on Teo's voice when we know that Han exists? It's just Teo's laugh. Okay, not Teo's voice, just his yeah. laugh. All right, fair, fair. Um, and yeah, another thing I thought was the world building is cool because it's just a little nod to how isolated the Northern Water Tribe has been for yeah. all these years. And, you know, they haven't even seen, I guess it makes sense, but, you know, they just like are so cut off. And actually, I read somewhere online too that following the Siege of the North, the Northern Water Tribe never comes back either. So it's like, you know, Team Avatar saved them, but they're really not going to mess with this 100 years war <laughs> after yeah. they got out of this this pickle. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah, so this Han dude kind of sucks. And he also like doesn't play that big a role, I guess. So I was like, what, what, like, what is the point of him? And I guess he is definitely like comic relief. And like this whole like rivalry with Sokka is like kind of interesting, I guess. But I guess it also like characterizes Yue that much more because she is like, oh, I have to marry this man as an arranged marriage to serve my people and my nation. And like Han being this annoying asshole guy just makes it like so much more like you feel for Yue like so much more that she's like doing so much more for like her her nation. Um. Yeah, so the next scene is the fighting continuing. And so dozens more fireballs are coming at them. And Paku says, stop those fireballs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Paku oh, coming coming back with great leadership, telling all of his soldiers to stop a fireball that's coming right at their faces. So Yeah, I, Thank you, this Paku. has got to be the worst line <laughs> of the whole finale. <laughs> like, this finale is so good, but this is so bad. <laughs> Um, and then it takes, I counted, there are nine waterbenders all trying to stop one fireball. <laughs> so now we have math. Uh, math has shown us that we have an exact ratio of how much technology outmatches bending. Oh, yeah. Nine to one. I guess this is during the sun. So maybe that's a factor we have to take into account, like how that yeah. changes at nighttime. But. Either way, bending is pr- pretty weak. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, and the next scene cuts to Aang flying back and he says, I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm just one kid. And my thought here is like, wow, here we see Aang who is a master airbender 
and he can't even stop this. And at least this is the first time I feel like we realize how truly terrifying the Avatar really is, that the Avatar state can like fight all of this off, which I think is pretty cool. At least before this, we kind of see inklings of the Avatar state here and there, but he never really, really uses it like in these last few episodes. Nice. Good point. Good setup. Um, and then UA says, but you have to, you're the Avatar. Yeah, this is just kind of symbolic of like everyone else in the show putting all their hope into the Avatar and how there's just this unrealistic, insane pressure on him to <laughs> save the entire world. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I thought uh, Justin would like that line. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah it is a little unfair. Um Anyways, the next scene is Zuko and Iroh, um, and Iroh says, confesses to Zuko that ever since he lost his son, he thinks of Zuko as his own. And there's this reveal that Iroh's lost his son, finally, even though we knew this, obviously, <laughs> but it's important for if you're, it's your first time watching. It's a big deal. It's a lot to drop, especially in the random part of the episode. Yeah. Also, I was kind of surprised that Iroh says this because... Almost their whole relationship is never like explicit. It's always like little things Ira does, but he like says it out right here and like it all becomes explicit, which is interesting. Um, and then Ira also says, remember your breath of fire. It could save your life out there and keep your hood up. Keep your ears warm. And <laughs> that just reminded me of like, like like my mother just like telling me every day to like wear my jacket and like put a hat on so like yeah. I wouldn't be cold and it was just funny I guess that's like the ultimate expression of love from a parental figure yeah and then the next scene is more Sokka and Han rivalry so Han says let me tell you Soka I've courted a lot of girls but you is the finest and she comes with the most perks um first gross but i also thought this is kind of what Sokka was at the beginning of the season i mean not as gross but you know his relationship mm -hmm. to girls mm -hmm. um i guess that's mostly it you know when when we think of misogynistic Sokka, um which lasted only a few episodes but yeah yeah that's a really good point yeah i almost forgot about that um yeah so you can really compare the two through that lens um and then Another fun fact is apparently Soka with the long O uh, is the Asian pronunciation of the name, which is what they use in the last Airbender movie, um, because, you know, in that movie, they try to be all authentic with their names. <laughs> Aang became Ong. Uh, meanwhile, they casted a bunch of white people and uh, Dave Patel. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah but you know so in in a way han is the most culturally aware <laughs> <laughs> is that uh, is the correct pronunciation of Zhao also cho or is that just um <laughs> i believe he says choi choi uh, i think he says he says but yeah no, when they leave both. he says choi and then when he confronts him he says cho <laughs> Mm. Oh, so man. both are uh, equally valid hey one out of three what can you do <laughs> <laughs> no one's perfect um anyways then Sokka tackles Han and the leader Arnuk kicks Sokka off the mission yeah and Sokka doesn't even protest this he just kind of takes it hmm I thought that was strange I, 
Mm, that's a good point. I guess he does have a decent amount of respect for Arnick. Yeah, I yeah. I, yeah, you could you could write it off as that, I feel like. So anyway, the next scene, um, we have Zuko in his stealth outfit at night on a rowboat rowing about this these icebergs that are just scattered all over. Um, and in the background, the music, we have some nice singihorn action. Um, and so, yes, classic um, stealth Zuko time. We also have some blue spirit bells that play in the background. Uh-huh. Yeah, Whenever cool. we see the blue spirit. So it's kind of like a combo. Yeah. And then Zuko sees some turtle seals go into a hole in the ice and decides to follow them because he says out loud, they're coming up for air somewhere, which just doesn't make <laughs> any sense. Why is he saying this to himself? It is so cold. Uh, I feel like that's I don't know if I just watched this in a cinema sins video on YouTube or something, but I feel like it's a pet peeve now when characters talk to themselves when it doesn't make any sense sometimes uh -huh. it does you know if you're really frustrated or something but this is a moment where it didn't especially since it's so cold also hi d bradley baker he voices the turtle seals <laughs> of course he does <laughs> what a talented man yeah <laughs> yeah so the next scene is ua telling stories about the moon so ua says the legends say that the moon was the first waterbender our ancestors saw how it pushed and pulled the tides and learned how to do it themselves and yeah we realized that or we learned that waterbending is the only form of bending not learned from an animal and then katara says i've always noticed how my waterbending was stronger at night and I thought, I must be a waterbender because my ability to cram for assignments was always stronger at night. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Zuko is the person who front loads and does things in the morning. <laughs> um, and then Yue says, our strength comes from the spirit of the moon. Our life comes from the spirit of the ocean. They work together to keep balance. Yeah, so then um, Aang looks down and then he perks up and he realizes that maybe he can find the spirits of the moon and the ocean and get their help. Um, and then Yua is just like, oh, no, like, you know, maybe you can just get their wisdom or something. And he's like, or maybe they'll unleash a crazy, amazing spirit attack on the Fire Nation. And, you know, at first you're just like, ah, oh, like classic Aang being silly. But then that's what actually ends up happening. So it's kind of funny. Yeah, so then the next scene is Yue taking them to the most spiritual place in the entire North Pole, which is the Spirit Oasis. And there's this like little knoll and it's very green and there's this towering waterfall and it's really nice. Yeah, it's absolutely beautiful. It's kind of like a little Shinto shrine. It has that shrine, the pillars and banner of like the Shinto shrine and and this little koi pond and it's so nice and i think this this is what i want my backyard to look like when i'm older wow <laughs> that means i'll know i'll be successful when i yeah when i have wow. a backyard that looks like that big goals you want the oh, entire yeah. spiritual energy of the yeah. world to of be the concentrated to in, be your in my backyard yeah landscaping tips from Watsapa. <laughs> four seasons landscaping um Something I noticed, it's the only green in the entire area. And it's kind of the only green we see in the entire two episodes because we see a lot of red. We see a lot of blue. And it's like kind of a visual compilation of like all the four elements in one place. Hmm. Something else to pay attention to here is kind of Aang's reaction. He cuts back from this like super serious, I'm going to save the people this time to um, this like He's very joyful here. He's like very happy to see that this place exists. And I guess mm -hmm. he feels a connection to the spirit world. Yeah, that's a good point. 
Yeah, and then we see these two koi fish swimming in the pond, and Momo like reaches for them, and I was like, oh my god, what would this, how would this have gone if Momo just had, like, grabbed one of the fish and just, you know, attacked it or something, <laughs> yeah. and what if Momo <laughs> killed Twee? The, the history books will write about Momo the Conqueror. <laughs> Momo the Conqueror, I love that. It has a nice ring to it. I'm sure Momo would like that too. We know yeah. that Momo would enjoy <laughs> <Yeah>. that title. <laughs> So the next scene is Zuko alone. Uh, Zuko swims through the underground tunnels uh, under the city and he gets blocked by some ice on the surface, but he melts it with his hands and he finds himself in the city. Yeah, and there's that classic trope where Zuko's under the ice. You see him from above it. He's like banging on it. He, like the last bubble of air leaves his throat <laughs> and he, he has this panicked look on his face um and it's like pretty epic because like this the choral music comes back and it just builds up until well eventually he survives but you know what yeah if? i know the music here is really intense i was mm -hmm. i hate sequences like this it was it made me so anxious also <laughs> also anytime i watch anything and people have their eyes open underwater i'm like it also makes me nervous <laughs> wait why I don't know, because I can't do that. So it, like I imagine it to be painful or something, even though I'm, I know it's not. But yeah, uh, Justin, the swimmer, tell us, is it painful to open your eyes underwater? No, but you can get infections in the inside of your eyelid. I guess if it's like a, a dirty water, like in the pool where a bunch of little kids have peed in it. <laughs> <laughs> Although he is sterile. So mm. another fun fact. That chlorine smell you smell at the pool is not chlorine. That's the byproduct of chlorine mixing with pee. So the stronger the smell, the more pee there is. Wait, really? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wait. Mm -hmm. So when they switch no. out water in a pool, it actually doesn't smell strongly of chlorine at all. No, really? <laughs> I always thought the stronger the smell, the more clean it was. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> So okay. the moral of the story is if you smell chlorine, don't open your eyes underwater because you oh. will get infected. <laughs> oh, that's so horrible. Uh, anyways, the next scene is Aang <laughs> meditating and Aang watches the fish and sees them turn into a yin and yang sign and his eyes light up and he crosses into the spirit world. Yeah, I don't know. I just think this is so cool, like that they could take these things in the normal world, the fish swimming in the water and then turn into the yin and yang sign and it. It seems like it kind of makes sense, but it's such a cool representation of the yin and yang symbol, which are just like this weird kind of symbol that's so like not part of the real world. So I thought it was a really cool effect. Yeah. And then uh, Katara says he'll be fine as long as we don't move his body. That's his way back to the physical world. And Katara's like, I'll protect him. And perfect timing. Zuko shows up and he says, well, aren't you a big girl now? And I thought, wink. JK. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh, so dirty. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay, and then Katara freezes Zuko in this ball of ice because she's a master now. Yeah, that, this is an awesome move. I think this is her crowning achievement as like a water bending, ice bending person. Like it's insane. She like does this crazy move and encases him in this like lotus of ice. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. it's just really fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, at the end of their fight, Katara freezes him up against the wall of like, or the mountain or whatever glacier. Uh, but then the sun starts shining and Zuko melts away all the ice. And he says, you rise with the moon. I rise with the sun. 
Isn't that cute? They're such opposites. Opposites attract, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um. Anyways, then Zuko gets away with Aang. So Zuko's carrying Aang through the tundra, uh, through a blizzard. Uh, and so as Zuko's carrying Aang off into the snowstorm, um, uh, the music in both of these episodes is just so fantastic. But to end this first episode, you just hear these four single drum beats as Zuko fades into the, dist- the distance. And it's just so like ominous and it's so perfect. So that's the end of part. So we're going to give our (laughs) ratings now. uh, Just a quick rating for the first half. All right. Quick rating right now. We're going to talk about the next episode right after. So don't leave. All right. So I'm going to give this episode a nine. I think it's a low nine. um, But I think the anticipation and suspense they're able to build for the next episode is just amazing. I think... Uh, you have to be bitten by hog monkeys to think this is anything less than a 10. And I will leave it at that. I think it's a 10 mostly, but I'm going to give it a nine for stop those fireballs. (laughs) All right. Okay. So moving on to part two. So picks back up with Katara at the spirit oasis. And she says, I can't believe I lost him. And then Sokka says, you did everything you could. And now we need to do everything we can to get him back. Zuko can't have gotten far. We'll find him. And this is another very mature moment for Sokka as a brother and as a leader. Um, And I thought it was very nice. Yeah, I, I thought this was a really good moment for Sokka. I think this is one of like Katara's, I think like, one of her saddest moments, probably like her job right there was to protect the Avatar. And that was like her mission. And she kind of failed. So Sagi does a good job here. She's also drawn really weird. Oh, really? You guys noticed that? Yeah, I, I did uh, notice something was like a little odd. Yeah. Was, she kind <laughs> of looks like. That's funny. Pre, like the, the artwork of Katara before they started the whole season. Interesting. I think okay. they had a couple I think there was a moment, I'm not sure when where Aang actually looks like that in this episode as well so, uh, like a little poor, like worse drawn than, than normal. But Yeah I guess the story compensates but interesting, okay I'll have to look out for that next time. Um, yeah and then Sokka, Katara, and Yue leave on Appa Yeah, so the next thing we get is Aang in the spirit world. And I just thought this representation of this part of the spirit world, at least, was very interesting. The colors were very muted. They're very browns and grays and those type of colors. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I just thought it was an interesting representation of the world. It seems kind of dull. Yeah. Um, And Aang approaches this meditating monkey baboon guy and says i'm sorry to disturb you i just really need to find the moon and ocean spirits and then he says go away (laughs) (laughs) thank you anand for contributing your indian accent yeah that's the Um, one thing i can do (laughs) and a fun fact is that this monkey is actually voiced by mark hamill wow so not only can he do the Joker and Ozai and Luke, he can also do an Indian monkey. <laughs> Add that to the list. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. I thought, I don't know. I'm not, well, yeah, no, I'm not good. an expert, but. <laughs> yeah, <it's pretty> good. <laughs> 
Um, and then Aang chases this thingy, and then eventually he sees Roku in a pond. And Roku says, The ocean and the moon are ancient spirits. They crossed over from the spirit world to the mortal world very near the beginning. There's only one spirit I know of who is old enough to remember. Yeah, Roku kind of comes out of nowhere. He's been stalking Aang for quite a bit here. <laughs> yeah, he does come up in like really weird moments. <laughs> Actually, I read online that this moment reminded some some person online of uh, when Simba sees Mufasa in the pond as his reflection. Oh, uh, hmm. that's kind of cool, actually. More Disney inspiration. Oh, man. You know it. We only have <laughs> Disney references here. Um, and then Roku says, the spirit's name is Ko, but he is very dangerous. They call him the face stealer. When you speak with him, you must be very careful to show no emotion at all, or he will steal your face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man. Really all right, first of all, a great concept for Ko. Um, second of all, like Roku being like half useless as usual, like... He knew there was one spirit that was young enough to know who the moon and ocean spirits were, but like he didn't know the actual identity of the moon and ocean spirits. Like if had he known the actual identities, he could have saved Aang this whole trip to Ko and like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like it's common knowledge, too. Well, yeah, actually, maybe I it's not. D like, do the Northern Water Tribe people just think they're two random fish or something? I think so. I, I think it's probably information that like was there at the beginning but then has like lost over time probably and it's just sacred i mean that's kind of yeah so the, people know it's sacred and people kind of forget why i guess yeah and Jao had to go to yeah. the library to find it out so yeah 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 and the next scene is zuko uh on his own with ang in a cave and zuko says i finally have you but i can't get you home because of this blizzard there's always something not that you'd understand you're like my sister everything always came easy to her she's a firebending prodigy and everyone adores her my father said she was born lucky he says i was lucky to be born Ooh, so we get a lot of character development for zuko here um we get more set up for Azula. And this is the first big reveal that he has a sister in the first place, um, which is pretty, pretty huge. And it's just really it's stuck in there like a it's just right in the middle of this long speech. Um, also, I thought this is just a very dramatic little soliloquy. And yeah, I don't know why. One thing that stuck with me from English class in high school is the difference between a soliloquy and a monologue, because the example that was given in class was the Romeo and Juliet soliloquy, where Juliet's like, oh, Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou Romeo? It's a soliloquy, but it's not really because Romeo is under her balcony listening to her. So it's like she thinks there's no audience, but there really is. So then I remember discussing like, oh, is it a monologue then? because there's like a secret audience and so that's kind of relevant here too because like Aang is like I mean like Aang is an audience for Zuko or else he wouldn't be talking because you know Zuko is addressing Aang directly but he's not really listening so again it's this gray area Monologue very nice soliloquy oh, thanks for the English lesson Joyce no problem <laughs> another shout out to the graphic novels they really deep dive into Zuko and Azula's relationship with their father and their mother so mm. if you want to learn more about this quote, where it comes from and everything that has to do with that, I highly, highly suggest that you go out and read those. Ko also makes an appearance. 
And then the next scene is Iroh and Zhao on the ship. And Iroh says, if we don't defeat the Water Tribe before the full moon rises, they will be undefeatable. Yeah, how scary is it that even Iroh fears the Water Nation at full moon? Mm, mm-hmm. Maybe he mm-hmm. knows about bloodbending. Who knows? <gasps> yeah. Yeah, maybe. I wouldn't be surprised. He knows too much. (laughs) Um, And Zhao says, I assure you, I have everything under control. I intend to remove the moon as a factor. And Iris says, remove the moon? How? And then Han says, Admiral Choi, prepare to meet your fate. And he like runs out in his like stupid uniform and he calls him by the wrong name. And I don't know. Honestly, this is just hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) When he says Choi, I thought like, fuck Choi. (laughs) And he just falls off the ship. Yeah, Zhao sends him over the railing without even, like, batting an eye, without really turning his head even. And Iroh just shakes his head. (laughs) 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 Um, And then Zhao says, as I was saying, (laughs) years ago, I happened upon a great and powerful secret, the identity of the moon spirit's mortal form. I was a young lieutenant serving under General Shu in the Earth Kingdom. I discovered the hidden library, underground, in fact. I tore through scroll after scroll. One of them contained a detailed illustration and the words moon and ocean. I knew then that the spirits could be found and killed and that it was my destiny to do so. Yeah, I thought it was just super cool world building that... Like, this is part of the story, but then the gang actually ends up going to the library, Wan Tung's library, under the under the desert. So mm-hmm. just just very cool that they're able to work that into the actual plot. Then Iroh says, Zhao, the spirits are not to be trifled with. The ocean <laughs> and moon gave up their immortality to become part of our world. There's also an implied immortality here. So does that mean Iroh is immortal? Wait, why? Because Iroh eventually ascends into the spirit world. I guess he is, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he just like chills in the spirit world for all time. Yeah. With his spirit friends. Does that mean Zhao is immortal? I guess so, yeah. Oh, what an irony, because oh. he's immortal, <laughs> but for the absolutely wrong reasons. So. Yeah, and no one can remember him. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. That's pretty good. great. Yeah, so the next scene is Aang back in the spirit world, and Aang finds the cave where Ko lives. And while he's approaching, there's this monkey, and he's like, oh, it's just a monkey. The monkey turns around, it doesn't have a face. Ah! (laughs) Um, And this was so scary. It was, I was tense literally the whole time since the beginning of part one, because I forgot which part this part, this jump scare came in. but it was just as scary as I remember. I mean, I braced myself a little bit for it, but because I knew it was coming, but wow. And it just gets worse from here as we go into Ko's cave. But it also reminded me of if you have seen Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, where there are all these like faceless people. Oh, yeah. That's uh, so I hate it. I hate it so much. So there's something really disturbing about pe- facelessness, which Ko really like mm-hmm. nails mm-hmm. as a villain. Yeah. So the tree that they're approaching where Ko allegedly lives in reminded me a lot of the tree in the spirit portals in Korra. Mm. Did you guys notice that? Oh, interesting. I didn't notice it, uh, kind but of. I don't doubt yeah, it. Yeah, I, I can kind of see it now that you say that. Uh, another fun fact, and this might placate your fears a little bit, Joyce, is that all the faces in the universe of Avatar are given by a spirit called the Mother of Faces. Who is also the mother of Ko. Ooh. So the spirits give and the spirits take. So at least there's a balance. Yeah. Because can't you get a new one? 
I don't know. Anyways. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyways, Aang gets startled, but then he says, show no fear, show no emotion at all with the voice of all the avatars. So he's going to pull off another crazy avatar stunt and remain uh, emotionless. So he goes into Ko's cave and the vibes are all spooky and we see a woman's face appear out of the darkness and the face like it closes up the on like the lips and then uh, the woman like smiles. It's really creepy. And then Ko appears and is like, welcome. Yeah, I just want to say real quick that major props to the people who designed Ko because it's just such a creepy thing. And if you need to like design a spirit, I don't know where you even start, but it's basically the centipede looking thing with the creepy face. Yeah, and uh, So, so well done. I know it's such a great character. And then Ko says, my old friend, the avatar, it's been a long time. And Aang's like, you know me? And Ko says, one of your previous incarnations tried to slay me maybe 800 or 900 years ago. And here's a goof, a math goof, uh, because avatar Kuruk who Ko is referring to died 400 to 500 years ago. So he either would have had to be, have been very old or this is just a goof mm-hmm. because the creators probably like didn't have Karuk's story like in mind. Um, anyways, then Aang asked why he or I tried to kill Ko. And I thought, Aang is assuming that it's a male avatar who tried to kill Ko. <laughs> maybe the avatar, maybe the avatar cycle didn't get progressive until Kiyoshi, <laughs> or no, no, not, not Kiyoshi. Um, uh, Yen, Yang, Yang Shen. Right? Avatar. Oh, Yang Shen, Avatar Yang Shen. Probably just said he, cause he's a guy. I think women weren't allowed to become avatars <laughs> until recently. <laughs> <laughs> until the equal um, rights amendment. <laughs> uh, anyway. And Ko says it was something about stealing the face of someone you loved. And uh, yeah, that's Avatar Karuk's Umi, who we'll learn more about later. Then Ko says, why should I hold a grudge against you for something you've done in your past life? Um, And I think this is a great question because it underpins the whole cycle of violence. A lot of the violence that happens in Avatar um, and something they explore a lot in the Dragon Prince, which is also a spinoff of some of avatars content creators so the next scene is the blizzard and katara is really worried about Aang. and Sokka says they're not gonna die in this blizzard if we know anything it's that zuko never gives up they'll survive and we'll find them um again i really love how resolved Sokka is here and i also thought you know this is Sokka never giving up and i just thought the parallels between Sokka and zuko here were really cool and i feel like in this comment there's some mutual respect like, there's some respect for mm-hmm. Zuko coming through in this comment that he never gives up, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, totally. So that's kind of cool. Um, so then back to Ko. Aang says he needs to find the moon and the ocean. And Ko says their spirit names are Twi and La, push and pull. And that has been the nature of their relationship for all time. Fun fact, Twi and La unsurprisingly means push and pull in Chinese. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Ko says but someone's going to kill them. And when he says this, there's another scary jump scare. He puts on the blue spirit looking mask and just like gets really close up to Aang's face and he manages to stay calm somehow. I really don't understand. Does this imply that there's an animal out there with a blue spirit for a face? Well, actually, I think a lot of the faces he used were masks. Mm -hmm. Even Um, his like like, standard face that he uses is also, I believe, a mask. 
Yeah. yeah. So, and because the blue spirit was also a theater mask, I feel like it's probably just some other. So, type. were there spirits with like that look like that, or did people come up to Co with masks on, and that's how they maybe because they thought, oh, is that the hack? Like you come with a mask and he steals your mask, but then you leave with your face. Mm. That seems like such a hack. Wait, but Why? that doesn't make any sense because masks don't change. So uh, how would they? It, it could. Mm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Huh. Aang really should have brought a mask. Yeah. <laughs> Silly boy. <laughs> he could have used the mask he got at the Fire Nation Festival. Yeah. Yeah. Then Aang says, how can I find them and protect them? And Ko says, you've already met them, actually. And Ko says, they balance each other. Push and pull, life and death, good and evil, yin and yang. That's <gasps> about <gasps> life and death because one dies and one lives. Oh, my God. For a little, for a little bit. This moment was... So crazy, like when it all fits together and you realize the irony that he was just right yeah. there and everything comes together. It's so golden, yeah. this moment. It, mm-hmm, it's really good. And Aang lights up and he's like, it's the koi fish. And then Ko like, just like goes back to him really quick because he detected that hint of emotion. But the boy keeps it together. And I just thought Aang would be good at poker, unlike Zhao. <laughs> and then I was like, remember when he lied to those tribes completely just straight faced without a second thought? Yeah. <laughs> wow. I can Sneaky. definitely see like Aang and Sokka betting something crazy. Um, and then they like lose to Toph or something. And then they're just like sulking in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> That yeah. should be a spinoff where uh, the gang plays poker. <laughs> <laughs> Avatar World Series of Poker. <laughs> um, yeah. So the next scene is nighttime in the city and their fireballs destroying everything. But then the full moon appears and the waterbenders become much more powerful and they just like fend off all the tanks. Yeah. And then we also see God Mode Paku where he forms this tornado <laughs> of water that he towers over everyone and just takes out all these tanks and grunts and everything and yeah. just goes crazy. Yeah, so then we come back to the spirit world and Aang's like, oh, how do I get back? And then Roku's like, oh, an old friend is here to take you um, back. So we get Hey Bai in panda form, good Hey, hey Bai form. Um, <laughs> and he takes Aang all the way back and he eventually transports Aang back to the real world, which also is like kind of an ex machina thing. Like yeah. that seems kind of <laughs> weird. Um, but then also I thought, I remember in one of the previous episodes, I think we had like a small discussion that was kind of like, oh, like, should the gang be like going on all these little adventures here and there when they really have this greater mission of learning all the elements and stopping the Fire Nation? But if they hadn't done all these smaller missions and help people out, then they wouldn't have those people come in their time of need to help help the Avatar. So I think Aww. I think it's like an important Wouldn't lesson that Roku just send his pet to take Ng back. Or take him back himself. Possibly. Who knows how the how the spirit world works. Yeah. I like your interpretation of it. <laughs> yeah, so then Aang returns and his spirit gets transported in a beam of light to his body in the cave. And Team Avatar sees it. Yeah, so another ex machina thing where not only did he get teleported to a real world... When he's in the real world, his thing gets spirit gets transported to his body for seemingly no reason. And not only <laughs> that, it also alerts Sokka and Katara and Yue as to where Aang is. It just seems, yeah. I don't know, on that one. Yeah, fair. Yeah, and it's inconsistent with the world of Avatar. 
Because Janora gets trapped in the spirit world and loses her body, but she doesn't teleport back. Why does Aang get to teleport mm. back? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it is weird and random. Um, another reason it's kind of weird is because in the Winter Solstice episode, only Iroh saw Aang in spirit form, but Katara does here now. Well, I guess they all do, but Mo- Katara's the one who calls it out, so we only know that Katara did. So it just doesn't really make any sense. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so then Aang wakes up and he escapes from Zuko, and Team After shows up, and Katara just pummels Zuko, and he passes out. <laughs> And Aang gets on Appa and they're ready to leave. But then he says, wait, we can't just leave him here. And, you know, this is great. And then he's like, if we leave him, he'll die. And then they take him on to Appa. And, aw, Aang, he's just so kind and merciful. And all life is sacred. (laughs) Until it isn't at the end of the episode. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. (laughs) That's not Aang. That's his alter ego as Avatar. (laughs) Um. Alter ego Ong. <laughs> this is alter ego Ong. <laughs> the terrible version of himself. <laughs> um, yeah, so then uh, Zhao fishes and then everything turns red. <laughs> so uh, we got this red knight and all the waterbenders lose their bending. And it just made me think of when Yue says our strength comes from the moon and our life comes from the ocean. So if Zhao were really smarter or more evil, he should have taken the other one and just mm-hmm. killed everyone instantly. Well, not killed everyone. Well, I don't know. She says life comes from the ocean. So I guess like he would have killed all the waterbenders because the bending people are the ones who have like some spiritual tie. I don't know. Anyways, or really, he should just kill both. Like he said he yeah. was going to <laughs> when he was like, oh, it's my destiny to destroy the spirits, plural. Oh, so. yeah. Interesting. Maybe even Zhao is smart enough to know not to mess with all the spirits. Maybe. What if you're going for one, you know, might as well. Like, oh, the whole world's yeah. already destroyed. Why I mean, do might it as well. Yeah. you know? Like, come on. <laughs> that makes me dislike Zhao <laughs> <even> more. <laughs> He's going to be a villain. Then be a villain. <laughs> Make up your mind. <laughs> um yeah. And then Yue says, I owe the moon spirit my life. When I was born, I was very sick and very weak. Most babies cry when they're born, but I was born as if I were asleep, my eyes closed. Our healers did everything they could. They told my mother and father that I was going to die. Uh, yeah. And then she says that the moon spirit saved her life. And I read this online, but people were like, oh, Yue has a horcrux. <laughs> yeah, I saw that too. That's really funny, actually. That's yeah, super that's funny. funny. It's kind of accurate. Yeah, so then Zhao is at the Spirit Oasis being all evil, but not as evil as he could have been. So, <laughs> which is <laughs> bad on him. <laughs> um, and he says, I am a legend now. The Fire Nation will for generations tell stories about the great Zhao who darkened the moon. And I'm here to bring you another dose of Earth science oh, let's go. knowledge um, from What's Appa. So I was wondering what would actually happen if the moon disappeared and it's the pull of the moon's gravity on the earth that holds our planet in place so without the moon earth's tilt would just vary dramatically and very wildly so there could be no seasons there could be an ice age it could fluctuate a lot um so knowing all this if Zhao had known he obviously would think it's a bad idea uh but also he would have like he would have been more motivated to not do it because the fire nation is an archipelago, which is it. So makes, it makes like the tides going crazy or like the whatever, uh, even more dangerous for them. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. 
So bad move. Just, Seriously, mm. if only he had studied <laughs> science, science in his Fire Nation <laughs> schools. <laughs> Wait, I, I just had a thought, and this is completely unrelated. But le- let's say it's the Avatar after Korra, right? They're they're at modern technologies. Mm-hmm. It's like contemporary, like nineteen eighties. They have space expeditions, right? What uh-huh. if they get to the moon and they find Yue there? <gasps> then they could bring her back. Yeah, but then Sokka's dead. Oh. Uh... That's Too the sa- oh, oh my god, it's even more about Chunga because they can't be together. Mm. Wow. <laughs> yeah. They're doomed. Um, sad. <laughs> okay. So um then he says, they will call me Zhao the Conqueror, Zhao the Moonslayer, Zhao the Invincible. And then I thought this was very fitting and great, but Momo jumps on Zhao and the Momo theme plays. Yeah. And it's just like, it's hilarious. It totally fits the moment because Zhao is being a little ridiculous yeah. and Momo is kind of ridiculous. And so, um, yeah, it's just, it's great. Yep. Like it fits together really nicely. Um. And then Team Avatar arrives and Zhao threatens to burn the bag that the fish is in. But Aang drops his staff and says, Zhao, don't. And Zhao says, it is my destiny to destroy the moon and the water tribe. Yeah, so a lot of Fire Nation people use the word destiny. Um, Zuko always uses destiny to justify why he should be the Fire Lord whenever Azula, like, you know, tries to take it away from him. I think it's interesting I find it problematic because if it's not okay for Zhao to do it here because he believes it's his destiny, you know, why Why does it justify Zuko to be any more of a fire lord than Azula is? Because for the same reason that Iroh doesn't want to take back the throne when he says it's just brother fighting brother for, the, for power, really, it's just brother fighting sister for power when Zuko ascends the throne, especially because he was kicked out by his father. So the rightful heir is actually Azula. Mm, yeah. And then Aang says, destroying the moon won't hurt just the water tribe. It will hurt everyone, including you. Without the moon, everything will fall out of balance. You have no idea what kind of chaos this would unleash on the world. And this is just a really mature move on Aang's part, just like being a advocate for the spirits. And I thought, Part of me was like, how does he know this? But it's kind of obvious. Like, they're the ocean and moon spirits. Um, but I think it's, you know, it's a moment where Aang's trying to be diplomatic and, uh, you know, be very, just very mature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Iroh comes out of nowhere and joins the party. And so everyone is now <laughs> here in this spirit oasis, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. And he's yeah. like, yeah, the, the Fire Nation needs the moon too. We all depend on the balance. Whatever you do to that spirit, I'll unleash on you tenfold. And this is crazy because we see Iroh actually oh, angry so... for the first time when he actually uh, means business. And you know, stuff's about to go down. I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it. Yeah, it's pretty scary because Zhao's eyes widen. He like backpedals one or two steps and it's very clear. Mm-hmm. He's, he's very scared of this disgraced general, as he calls him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ugh, Iroh's the man. Um, this is just so epic. And then Zhao releases the fish. Um, so you're like, maybe? But then his eyes get all crazy again and he firebends at the water. Um, and I just thought, you can't tell a child to do something. They'll just do the opposite. Yeah. So <laughs> that's what happened. And then the moon disappears from the sky. Iroh starts going at Zhao, takes out all his soldiers. Um, 
But yeah, he's just like, and it's cool too because um, everything it goes grayscale when the moon disappears in the sky, and Iroh's fire is like the only color, and it just makes it that much cooler. Mm-hmm. And then, in typical Zhao coward fashion, he runs away <laughs> like a coward. <laughs> yeah, um, and then we get a shot of the ropes that Zuko has escaped from and so there's just so much going on right now it took me so long it only on my like fourth watch of this episode when they zoomed in on the ropes to show empty ropes did like my mind connect that that meant <laughs> Zuko escaped for yeah. so long I never I was like why are they like zooming yeah, in on that yeah, no, it's it's fair because it's really subtle too, like how they brought him on to Appa, like while yeah. they're in the tundra, and you don't see him on Appa other otherwise. So yeah, it's it's pretty subtle, and it's like in the midst of all this action. And then Iroh lifts the dead fish out of the water, and Yue says, "There's no hope now. It's over." Um, yeah, and another fun fact that has to do with the coloring of the scene is that um, everything is grayscale right now, but Yue's eyes are still tinted a little bit blue, and it's because the spirit still lives on inside her. Um, so then Aang goes into Avatar state and says, no, it's not over. And it's like, oh, shit, what's about to happen? And then Katara tries to go and like call him back, but Iroh puts up a hand to stop her. Um yeah, and again, you know, it's just like Katara always gets so concerned when he's in the Avatar state and she just cares so much more about Aang as a person rather than Aang as the Avatar, mm-hmm. um, which is which is like really sweet. Um, and that's how you know that it's like it's for reals. Um, but yeah, and then Aang wades into the pool and he connects and like fuses with the uh, law and it's like wild. <laughs> Yeah, when Aang enters the Avatar state, you start hearing the Namo Amitafo chant in the background. And it becomes really epic, and then he, like, drops into the pool. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, and then this blue light starts to take over, like, the whole city and the whole world. And, you know, everything was more grayscale, and now it's, like, all turning blue. And Aang becomes this giant fish monster. Koizilla, as the creators have <laughs> called it yeah then he starts going crazy uh unleashing all this havoc and all the fire nation people and yeah his his wish from the previous episode that there'd be a crazy (laughs) spirit attack does come true it's kyogre time (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's it's pretty awesome and it, it actually it reminded me of um the season three finale where like we get the blue red coloring that takes over kind of the whole scene between him and Ozai at the very end. And it's just his spirit shining through. Um, Mm. So that's kind of made me think of that. Um, It's also just awesome. Like, like Justin was saying earlier, it says Aang in full badass Avatar state power. Yeah. Yeah. So then Zhao is running away and Zuko appears and confronts him saying, you, you try to have me killed. Yeah, and then and then they uh, they start fighting, and this is the first real rematch they've had since the Southern Air Temple episode when they had their Agni Kai showdown. So they finally get get the rematch that uh, we've all been waiting for. Yeah, yeah, and then Zhao says, "You should have chosen to accept your failure, your disgrace. Then at least you could have lived." You know, of all the things Zhao says, this is I think very apt, true, very apt. If Zuko didn't take the actions he did, the Avatar would be captured. The war would be ostensibly over after this. 
you know, after they take Ba Sing Se, but the Avatar doesn't stop them. And his father and his nation, they kind of achieve their goal. So Zuko really is just committing mm. like tons and tons of treason. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, because on that Blue Spirit episode, like his friends would have never found him. They were so incapacitated. Mm. Um, yeah. And then they fight back at the Oasis. Meanwhile, Katara says, it's too late. It's dead. And Iroh looks up at Yue and says, you have been touched by the moon spirit. Some of its life lives in you. <laughs> My first thought is like, did Iroh just suggest to Yue to kill herself? <laughs> yeah, I know. I also thought the same exact thing. Uh, I also thought, oh, how does he know that? But uh, maybe it's like this, the blue in Yue's eyes. Mm. That's what some have thought. Um but yeah, I, I don't know what he was getting at, but it's possible he was suggesting that. I feel like it it probably was what he was suggesting, but like, it's not that she does do it, but like, she knows she has a duty to do it. And like, yeah, it's like plausible. Yeah, yeah. I guess an option, you know, if the world's about to yeah, end, you know. It's an option. <laughs> <laughs> um, he did it tactfully, you know, yeah. he didn't ask outright. <laughs> he let her <laughs> come to the decision herself. And Yue says, yes, you're right. It gave me life. Maybe I can give it back. And I'm going to cry. And then Sokka says, you don't have to do this. And she says, it is my duty. Um, I guess, like, what does it mean to be her duty here? Uh, is one's life worth another's? Can you compare that? I don't know. Uh, and another thing that happens here is the Summer, Spring, Winter, Fall songs plays again. So is it Yue's motif? I guess, I mean, I guess it's a Yue Saka moment too. Um, but yeah, then Yue puts her hands on the fish and faints into Saka's arms. And it's so sad. It's the first death we see. The next scene is Aang in full Kyogre mode and he's walk, kind of walking through the Northern Water Nation. And you see all of these, including Master Paku, Water and Tribe people prostrating before Aang, which. I thought it was like pretty crazy. It also shows like the re religious feverence like people have for spirits in the show. Um, and man, like Aang really does not care for people's lives. He's just like killing people left and right. At some point, yeah. it shows him like slicing off the mast of like an entire uh, Fire Nation ship. Um, in his in his defense, I don't really think it's Aang right now. Like, like, I mean, sure. But he's in. not only is he in the Avatar state, but he also fused with the with the um, ocean spirit. I feel like right now he's basically being used as a vessel for law. That's mm. how I like read it as a like, this is like law any, doing any passes. It. He's snapped uh, out of the uh, avatar state before. But it's, it's not just the avatar state life. though. It's like, it's like the ocean spirit, like manifesting itself in the only way it can. I still put, put this up as one of Aang's failures. Mm. I think, I think this is just like, if you kill the moon spirit, like, the balance of the spirits will come back to bite you. For sure, for sure. But like Ing isn't restoring Moon Steer here. He's just taking it out on all of these Fire Nation people. And this is the one precept he he doesn't violate ever in the show. Um, except when he causes an avalanche. Um, but another fun fact, Ing is only pushing water here. There's no pulling happening. Oh. Hmm. Wow. Very neat. And then back at the oasis, Yue disappears from Sokka's arms and the fish returns to the pond. Um, and then the spirit of Yue appears and kisses Sokka goodbye, saying, I'll always be with you. 
And yeah, she just looks so good. She looks <laughs> majestic. <laughs> um, and she's such a hero. Uh, mm-hmm. This female heroine. She really like is like the biggest hero of the whole season. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, then the moon returns to the sky and it's just such a noble sacrifice. My one thing that I will say, and I kind of read this online too, is I feel like we didn't get to know Yue well enough for this to be as meaningful as it could have been. Mm. I don't know if you guys agree, but yeah, I feel like we just need a little more. Like she was almost there, but then something about it was like, it was just not enough time or like, I mean, I think I think I feel a lot for Sokka's loss mm-hmm. of his first love because I think that's where most of her character development was happening. Obviously, we also have, you know, how devoted she is to her tribe. But I don't know. I feel like we need a little bit more of her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree yeah. with that. So then the next scene is Zuko and Zhao fighting again and Zhao sees that the moon is back and he's like, how can this be? And the fish monster grabs Zhao and he struggles to get free and he's like going down and Zuko offers him his hand. Yeah, and it's pretty sad because in his final moments, it is his pride that is his undoing and nothing else because mm-hmm. he's offered an out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and then he doesn't take it. Yeah. My other thought is, wow, this fish spirit is is a dark spirit. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, yeah, yeah. you know, its, it's other half just died, so <laughs> might be a little understandable. And this is yeah. the person who actually killed the spirit. It's not just even the, just the soldiers. Yeah. It makes the spirits just as fallible as humans. But it shows their strength. And if you decide to mess with them, then they will mess back. Yeah. It's not like they caused it, you know. For sure. But it's still vengeance. And I think it kind of removes some of the sanctity of the spirits. It shows they have emotions. Is it vengeance or is it justice? <laughs> what is yeah. the difference between vengeance and justice yeah but i guess it's like it's not surprising that the spirits are very vengeful like all gods kind of are they're mm-hmm. very like emotional like emotion driven mm-hmm. um and if you piss them off then like you're doomed yeah <laughs> it kind of yeah. makes them go from i feel like in the earlier episodes where the like gods in the capital g sense that humans feel like they look out for them and now they're more gods in the lowercase g sense that they're like Greek gods who have complex emotions and are fallible. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, and I also thought this was a nice moment because we see Zuko have mercy on his sworn mm-hmm. enemy, yeah. uh, just like Aang did. And so you get a little bit of Aang-Zuko parallel. And yeah, I mean, if it wasn't clear at this point that Zuko is good deep down, then like, yeah, now it's clear. I guess. Well, I don't know. There have been many moments like that, but this is definitely one. And if you think back to the Southern Air Temple um, episode, when Zuko spares Zhao that time, before he leaves, he says, next time I won't show you any mercy. And then he does, Mm. he actually does here again. So So. in a sense, it's like kind of growth, I guess, that he, he, he is really not like a vengeful person in the end. Yeah. So then all is well ish. Um, and there's the closing scene. So Paku says, I've decided to go to the South Pole. It's time we help rebuild our sister tribe. Yeah, I thought this was really interesting because like in the pan where they just pan over to Paku, the northern water tribe is literally destroyed. Everything is in shambles. <laughs> and then his first thought is, I'm going to go to the southern water tribe and help rebuild it. <laughs> He's like, I'm outie. <laughs> yeah. 
Good luck, y'all. Master Paku is looking for some action. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I'm too old for this shit. <laughs> um. Yeah, and then Katara says, what about Aang? He still needs to learn waterbending. And Paku's like, well, then he better get used to calling you Master Katara. Ah! Yeah, I think these closing scenes, at least I like to think, are very intentional about the pairings of people they make here. And I think they pick here Katara and Paku for a good reason. It shows at least a little bit, and I'm still not convinced that Paku has gotten over his misogyny, but his acceptance that... Females can be waterbenders too, and how he can be a role model for Katara. Hmm. Yeah, that's very sweet. Or I was like, oh, you know, Katara is officially a master now. Or is it just because Paku really wants to get out of there? And he's like, okay, yeah, you're like a master. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and then Chief Arnuka saying... The spirits gave me a vision when Yue was born. I saw a beautiful, brave young woman become the moon spirit. I knew this day would come. And Sokka was like, you must be proud. Then he says, so proud and sad. Yeah, I think here it shows Sokka and the chief um, and how the chief can be a good role model for Sokka or at least someone he looks up to in his qualities. Uh, But something I do want to point out, both Paku and the chief, at least I feel like are flawed characters and they have some character traits that are undesirable in the show is like obvious about what about the chief is uh like flawed i think it's it's his he doesn't protect his daughter he marries her off for political reasons hmm Hmm. i I can see that i'm not totally convinced he he like is the institution right he represents the cultural values that we find at least somewhat offensive yeah, and for the same reason that like Paku, that we don't like Paku. Yeah, but I, yeah, I mean, I, that's fair, but I think Paku is much more bitter about it in general. Yeah, for sure. But I guess that, that begs a question, like which one is worse? Like Paku, who is, who is misogynistic allegedly because he is bitter about something that happened or the chief who is misogynistic because that's the way he believes the world should work. But I guess like also... It's like Yue isn't like protesting it really either. So like she's just as much part of the system too, because it's Mm -hmm. not like, it's not like Yue is like protesting, like the fact that she has to marry Han. It's like they're in mutual agreement of like doing that thing. For sure. But Mm -hmm. the reason I say he's a non-character is like, it's so painfully obvious that she's against it, right? Like when, when Aang tells Sokka, like, go get her, he's standing in the background. He sees her crying and like, you know, you have you either have to be incredibly dense or a non-character to not understand what is going on as a father. Yeah. OK, that's a fair flaw. He's just like not. Yeah. His number one priority, I guess, is like not his daughter necessarily, but mm-hmm. his his people. Yeah. Um, and then we get an Iroh and Zuko closing scene. So Iroh says, I'm surprised, Prince Zuko. So they're on uh, their boat again. And Iroh says, I'm surprised, Prince Zuko. Surprised that at this moment you are not trying to capture the Avatar. And he has one eye. He's like, he has his back turned towards Zuko. And like, he like looks, does like a side eye while he says this. So it's just so funny because he's totally testing him. Um, and Iroh's just so passive. It's so hilarious. Um and then Zuko says, I'm tired. And Iris says, then you should rest. A man needs his rest. Yeah. And then here, I think, obviously, pairs Zuko and Iroh for 
the wonderful relationship that they have. And a thought I have is, I think this is a good relationship. Iroh doesn't have that many flaws and it kind of shows how you can have good role models and good people in the Fire Nation, which obviously is like the aggressor here and is like the wrong, you know, nation. Whereas like in the Water Nation, which for all intents and purposes is not the aggressor and is like in the history books, like the right side, um, you have these flawed individuals. So it kind of humanizes both sides, I think. Yeah, another cool thing to note about this quote is that uh, it it's like everything comes around full circle at the end of the season because actually at the beginning of the season, there's a flashback where Zuga had just been banished and Iroh says, you should get some rest. And Zuko's like, I will never rest until mm-hmm. I get my hands on the Avatar. But here he's grown and yeah. um, it's going to set off the uh, turbulent personal journey he has in the next season. <laughs> Um, And then finally we get Team Avatar and Aang and Katara look at each other and then they just don't say anything and they just hug. Um, And I thought this was really sweet. No words necessary to uh, convey their like love for each other and like their support each other, you know, knowing what they'd just gone through. And then Momo and Sokka join after. Yeah, I think there's a moment where Aang is alone. He's by himself. I think they purposely don't pair him with anyone, like maybe with Katara, maybe like with his quote unquote family. But I think it kind of shows that like he needs to find his own path. And that sets up like the rest of the show very well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Final scene is Azula and Ozai. And Ozai says, Iroh is a traitor and your brother Zuko is a failure. I have a task for you. And she looks up and she looks menacing and evil and scary. And uh, we get some sister, crazy sister action coming next season. And it's, <laughs> it's a, such a cliffhanger. And in the same way that the last episode ended with drum beats, there's some really ominous music that ends this season. Um, and I feel like it's just opposed to the rest of the episodes in the season that end in very kind of upbeat either peace or avatar family music it's such an amazing ending Ah. azula my queen my love (laughs) (laughs) Uh. okay and that's the end of season one yay (laughs) clap 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 amazing okay Let's do our ratings. All right. Yeah, I think uh, not too much needs to be said about this episode. It is a 10. Despite some weirdness going on with the spirit world, um, it overwhelmingly compensates for that. Uh, And it really (laughs) is the culmination of literally everything that's happened in the first season. And everything about it is fantastic. Mm. I believe these last two episodes may are quoted to be either Mike or Brian's favorite episodes. And yeah, I, I can't disagree with them. Uh, this is a solid 10. Yeah. 10, 10, 10, 10. All around <laughs> 10s. All right. So that concludes this episode of the podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed our discussion of The Siege of the North. As always, we release on WhatsApp on Wednesday, so we'll see you next time for a fun episode. Not that these aren't fun, but (laughs) we're thinking of extra fun. Uh, We're going to try to do something a little different uh, to cap off the first season. So... Stay tuned for that. Um, If you want to stay up to date with when we release that fun episode or submit thoughts or questions on this episode or any of the other ones, be sure to follow us on Instagram at at what's underscore appa, like our Facebook page, or you can email us at whatsappapod at gmail.com. 
Also, subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you liked what you heard, be sure to hit us with the five-star rating. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Go away.